that was the opening music to Father of the Bride, and it was released in 1950. And uh, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or in iTunes or Facebook, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from sunny Seattle today. And I'm Bob Johnson, recording here in Los Angeles, welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. And a Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. So a little bit of background on the movie. Uh, I always like to put these things together. Director uh, was Vincent Minnelli. And he had a long and prolific career in direction of movies. From 1942 until 1976, he did 38 different films. Plus, before being in Hollywood, he was very big on the stage back in New York City, producing and directing back there. Some of the movies that he's done that are really, really excellent, An American in Paris from 1951. Uh, Of course, Meet Me in St. Louis from 1944 that we did last podcast. And then another really, really good movie, The Bad and the Beautiful from 1952, which won five Academy Awards and was never nominated for Best Picture or Best Director. Hmm. The, uh, the studio was uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. It's a wonderful film. As I said before we started, I'll try to rein myself in so we don't go too long. I love this movie. It's a good movie. I, I hadn't actually watched the original. Uh, I've seen the Steve Martin version many, many times. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite movies. Um, but this one was good, too. It, was, it wasn't as funny. I don't think it, I would call it a comedy as much as maybe a kind of a family drama with some comedic aspects to it. Whereas I, I felt like the later version with, uh, Steve Martin <laughs> with Steve Martin. Thanks. <laughs> uh, my mind's already on vacation. Uh, was, was more of a c- comedy. Well, uh, some of the highlights of the movie, uh, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, narrative that was provided by Spencer Tracy where he's telling the story. I would like to say a few words about weddings. I've just been through one. Not my own, my daughter's. Someday in the far future I may be able to remember it with tender indulgence, but not now. I always used to think that marriage was a simple affair. Boy and girl meet, they fall in love, get married. They have babies, eventually the babies grow up, meet other babies, and they fall in love and get married, and so on and on and on. Looked at that way, it's not only simple, it's downright monotonous. But I was wrong. I figured without the wedding. Now, you fathers will understand. You, you have a little girl. She looks up to you. You're her oracle. You're her hero. And then the day comes when she gets her first permanent wave and goes to her first real party. And from that day on, you're in a constant state of panic. If the boys swarm around, you're in a panic for fear she'll marry one of them. They don't swarm around, why, of course, you're in another kind of a panic and you wonder what's the matter with her. So you don't worry about it. You say to yourself, I've got plenty of time to worry about that. I'll just put off thinking about it. And then suddenly it is upon you. 
and the fact that it's told through flashbacks beginning uh, with him coming home and, and talking about all the things that happened. Yeah, that first opening that first opening shot where it's like the aftermath of the party and there's glasses everywhere, there's broken glasses and bottles of champagne and the floor is covered in all kinds of debris. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> debris, debris. <laughs> and then it's just from that to he's walking home. Or this is at an earlier time. He's walking home from work in this uh, idyllic suburban neighborhood in his peaceful life. And then it just all suddenly gets tossed in the air. Yeah, it's really, it's really funny to watch it today because, I mean, that neighborhood... And those houses, geez, he must have been pretty well off, right? And there's even a scene in the movie where he's talking with uh, Buckley Dunstan. They're going to have that talk. Yes. And Buckley yes. brings that that big uh, <laughs> briefcase full of papers. <laughs> and, like uh, something I used to carry around of customer meetings. Yeah, and, and Spencer Tracy says, Are you comfortable there? Yes, sir. I brought some papers that I wanted to... Oh, oh, uh, well, I suppose you think it's kind of silly, this uh, financial talk, but uh, I want to tell you that I wish my father-in-law had sat down with me before Ellie and I got married. I think it sort of clears the air. You're right, sir. Sure you wouldn't like a little drink? Yes, sir. Oh, you would? Right? I mean, yes, sir. I'm sure I won't. Oh. Oh. Well, where were we? Oh, we were talking about your father-in-law. Oh. Oh, yes. Well, someday. Uh, uh, I think that I probably understand, uh, uh, you know, the problems of young couples and what they're up against. Of course, uh, matter of fact, the parents are up against it, too. You know, what with high prices and high taxes and everything. Well, the long and short of it is, I, I think that probably you're entitled to uh, know what you can expect from me, just as I'm entitled to know what I can expect from you. We sort of get to know about each other. Yes, sir. Yes. So, uh... My proposal is this. I thought I'd tell you a little about my setup, and then we could go into your financial picture. Yes, sir. Well, in the first place, Buckley, you uh, look around at this house and everything, and you probably think, well, he's pretty well off. But let me tell you, my boy, that doesn't mean a thing. And then he goes into this litany of things that he's had to spend money on. And then they do that slow fade, and they cut to Buckley, and Buckley could barely stay awake. That was pretty funny, because... <laughs> Uh, Stanley Banks, played by Spencer Tracy, tends to monopolize the conversation and just drone on and on and on. <laughs> I know. He, his intention was to meet with Buckley and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk about the marriage and was he going to be able to support his uh, daughter. And it turns out they don't really talk about that at all. Yeah, it's like uh, Stanley basically unloads on Buckley of all, all his... Uh, everything that he's been thinking about. But I don't think Buckley said more than three words other than, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Elizabeth Taylor beautiful as Kay, Oh, my gosh. She's my so beautiful. Sake. So beautiful. I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. too bad some of these weren't in Technicolor because I guess from what I've read, her eyes were just marvelous. They were some kind of emerald color. And they were that added to the beauty. I was reading about that, and then I did a search on uh, the internet for Elizabeth Taylor's eyes, and they came up with a bunch of color photographs. There, yeah, they're really a pretty color of like blue slash like almost like a, a deep purple color. It's it's interesting. I know.
Well, the uh, another uh, backstory is a. a uh, Catherine Hepburn was considered to uh, play the role of Ellie Banks, which uh, was played by Joan Bennett. But the studio didn't think that Catherine Hepburn would would be enough of a of a person for with a marriage and children. That they thought that wouldn't really be a good fit, so they selected Joan Bennett instead. Yeah, I think the the, uh, the quote I read was that she didn't. That Joan Bennett would represent more of a happy housewife versus Catherine Hepburn. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I guess people associated Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn as more of a romantic couple. Yes, and, that's what I read. Yeah. yeah. Some of the the funny events that I that I uh, enjoyed, kind of in chronological order, I think. Uh, the discussion at the dinner table of marriage with Elizabeth Taylor, and I remember somewhere in that time when elizabeth taylor says that she's engaged spencer tracy is trying to remember which one of these men it is right. who is buckley and they have all these other people these other guys that in his mind are showing up from the way she talked about this buckley you'd think he was moses and einstein and Gallup all rolled into one i tried to remember which one he was there'd been so many boys who'd beat a path to our door which one of them was buckley was it the boy with the teeth or the guy with the porcupine hair? Or the English teacher, that poopa doop that Ellie liked? I hoped he wasn't that muscle-bound ham with the shoulders. And she'd never fall for that bee-pop hound. And it couldn't be that genius who said he'd fix my radio. She couldn't do that to me. Couldn't be the radical. He hadn't been on a picket line in years. Surely my daughter wouldn't fall for any of them, or would she? But yeah, that was a funny scene because uh, <laughs> it turns out it wasn't any of those guys. <laughs> no, and then another funny one is they had the engagement party, and uh, again that was hilarious. Stanley that was so has funny. Fixed all these martinis, and nobody wants them. They're having old fashions and Manhattans and whatnot. And he spends the whole guy, he spends the whole <laughs> party in the kitchen. <laughs> He completely misses the engagement party, and he can't even figure out how to open a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke. Gets <laughs> yeah. it all over himself. That was funny. Uh, and then he just lost control of the wedding. He was just like, it was taken over by Kate and Ellie. And I do remember else? that from the the later movie with Steve Martin that that he just sort of like throws his hands up and is like, I I whatever, <laughs> I can't, I have no control or say in this. And that was really similar. We had a funny experience. Nancy and I uh, went on that trip uh, earlier this year uh, to the board meeting, and we gave the CEO this movie. And I've talked to him since. And he said and he, he described it the same way as his movies. Like, I just sort of decided my role was to smile, say hello, and sign the checks. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. And that made everybody's uh, life easier. <laughs> easier, yes. And then uh, I also enjoyed when uh, Kay decides that it's not going to work out with Buckley because Buckley wants to go on a fishing trip <laughs> to Nova Scotia for their honeymoon, and that's the end of the that's the end of the engagement. It was just <laughs> yeah, that's Lord, it. Uh, I'm not going to Nova Scotia fishing, and then they patch that up. And I have to say, one of the funniest characters was the wedding planner. As it was in the uh, 
second movie, the, the, the sequel or the later edition, the wedding planner was just, he made them feel like their house was a dump. That thing, could it be? An experienced caterer can make you ashamed of your house in 15 minutes. Allie was on the verge of tears. Oh, uh, these doors, they'll have to be taken off and stored. You'd be surprised how much circulation you lose on account of doors, especially doors like that. All I know is you can't get more than 125 in the house. Squash them in like a lot of bugs if you did. We were planning to take some of this furniture upstairs into the attic. Yes, we were going to take up the small chairs and the small tables and the standing lamp, and we were even thinking of taking up the rug. Taking up the rug, lady, ain't going to give us any more room. Well, uh, have you any suggestions? Yes, madam, I have. Even with the marquee out there, you're going to be cramped. Joe, go out in the back and measure for that marquee. Right. You see, madam, circulation is your big problem. Now, the first thing you've got to do is clear this room of all furniture. You mean the settee and the armchair? And the piano. And in the dining room, the same thing, too. What do you think I have upstairs? A coal storage warehouse? I have an attic that's full now. Yeah, their house is, like, beautiful <laughs> and huge, and it's, it's like, no, it's not, it's not adequate. But that that was a that that was a difference though between the two movies because Martin Short was a highlight oh, of yes. the later movie and how it will have to move out all the furniture oh, if they have any sort of room. Oh, this is a nice statement. It's lots of fun. This is Bob's fun part. Frank was saying something about moving out the furniture. We have to move it all out if we're going to fit more than two hundred bodies in here. But what if someone wants to sit down? We bring in chairs. Well, if you're bringing in chairs, then why are you moving the furniture out? Master Bonks, I do this for a loving, you know? Trust me. A moving van must take all everything up. It's an orthodox van, so sure, yeah. You know. And this guy was much more... Uh, I guess he was a smaller part of the film. Con condescending, I would say. He was very condescending, whereas Martin Short was... I don't know if he's condescending. He was just very uh, odd. <laughs> Martin Short took over those scenes that he was in. It's oh, for sure. Funny to watch. For sure. It's amazing. And then another, remember the dream that, poor Stanley, he was just going to hell here. The dream he had of going down the aisle at the wedding and the that floor was a buckling. really That was a well done <laughs> dream sequence, man. And he it loses was scary. His, his tuxedo was ripped to shreds and all. Oh, Everybody's God. laughing at him. But it was uh -huh. sweet because then he wakes up and goes down to the kitchen and then his yeah. daughter's there saying that she's scared and having bad dreams and, and then he's there for her. And I thought that was a nice that was a nice scene between the two of them. Very definitely so. And, and you could tell how much she loved her dad and always thought that he had the right answer for everything. Little did, he know, little did she know that he was completely befuddled by the whole event. Yeah, he he had a he had he put on a good face, but he was, he, did. he was a mess. It was so funny when they were trying to pare down the list of people to invite, and and Ellie would say, "Well, I don't think we need to invite those people." And Stanley would, "No, we have to. Those are longtime business acquaintances, and they're driving Kay crazy." Yeah, because they they turn it into some kind of a cocktail party for business associates i think she says it's it, she it's a business convention i thought it was i thought it was a wedding it's turning into a business convention <laughs> yeah. another funny scene was the wedding rehearsal all right stanley thinks it's going to be a well planned out like he's getting ready to go to court 
and and the and the Reverend Gulls Gullsworthy. I'd love to know where they came up with that name, the Reverend Gullsworthy. And then his assistant, they come through and they just sort of stumble through the rehearsal. There, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Line up here. Line up here. Go that. Go, go that way. <laughs> and poor Stanley's like, well, now that we've done that, we need to sit down and go through all the parts and the roles. And they're and all they're like, oh, all no, done. it was they're good. Leaving. We're good. We're done. It took like two <laughs> minutes. People are leaving. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just, I felt, I felt for his uh, position because it was reminding me of a little bit of last week's podcast with the dad in Meet Me in St. Louis. It was, it was oh, right. Like, maybe there's a theme in Vincent Minnelli movies about the poor father. It could be. can't seem to control anything. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, and then what about Aunt Hattie? Remember Aunt Hattie? She Aunt Hattie, yeah, they were stuck the at the train. <laughs> nobody ever picks her up. Did she ever make it to the wedding? I don't know. Uh, it's not clear because the wedding, it looks like they were packed into a sardine can. Right, and then I they. Swear. And then, but I do, I do uh, like the, I do like the scene in the wedding when he gives gives uh, Kay away, and then goes to sit down and and has the realization that that yeah, he's he's given his daughter away, and I, I thought that was kind of bittersweet. Who giveth this woman? This woman, but she's not a woman. She's still a child, and she's leaving us. What's it going to be like to come home and not find her? Not to hear her voice calling high pops as I come in. I suddenly realized what I was doing. I was giving up Kay. Something inside me began to hurt. It really was. There were, that's, a, that's, part, that's a part of the movie that you were mentioning earlier. Is, is very, very tender and, and a comedy, a, a family story rather than a comedy because we realize just how much Stanley loves Kay and how much she's going to mean uh, to him throughout his life. And then the chaos of the wedding and they get away without talking to one another, Kay and, and Stanley. That was kind of sad when they drive off and poor Stanley's still trying to get out to the front of the house. Right, but it all sets it, all sets it up so that it when does. Kay when Kay calls later from the train station that it, it has a much bigger impact because yeah she remembers to say goodbye to her dad and i like that she calls him papa and yes you know there's like or i think it's papa but yeah it's it's cute and and then he realizes that oh things haven't changed that much i like the relationship between stanley and ellie yes and and their their marriage you know you could tell that they they really came off like a they they, they really liked each other and they'd been together a long time they were perfectly matched for those roles. Yeah, and I liked about halfway through the movie when Ellie confesses to Stanley that she she had wished that they'd had a bigger wedding and that she'd had a nicer dress, but that she'd kind of given in to Stanley's wish for a smaller wedding. Stan, there's only one time in a girl's life that she can be married in a bridal dress. Just once. And I don't want Kate to miss it the way I did. Miss it? Miss it? Well, don't you think I wanted a wedding with all the trimmings? Well, then why didn't you have it? Because you didn't want it, so I pretended I didn't either. And you've been brooding about it all this time? No, of course not, but I have thought about it. You go on out and buy yourself a wedding dress and I'll marry you all over again. No, I'll be satisfied to see Kay in one. 
Oh, Stanley, I don't know how to explain, but a wedding, a church wedding. Oh, it's what every girl dreams of. A bridal dress, orange blossoms, the music. It's something lovely for her to remember all her life. And something for us to remember, too. From then on, I was a dead duck. Yes. And, you know, and there were little scenes like that that sort of pushed the plot forward and continued to push Stanley toward the point of, like, you know, like you said, just smiling and saying hello and signing the checks. <laughs> or, as I would say, getting with the program. Come on, yeah. Stanley, you can do this. You can do this. <laughs> Wasn't that funny when he was up in the attic trying on his tuxedo? Yeah. yeah. He's walking around. He looks like he's in some kind of straitjacket. <laughs> And then they he doesn't want to spend the money on a new one. Right, and then they were, went downstairs and the wedding planner shows up and they're doing a tour of the house and Stanley's telling them that those doors to the backyard are kind of stuck and you've got to push on them. And as he's doing that, the whole back of his coat rips open. <laughs> so there were, some, another, there were some funny scenes in it like that. Another funny part was when they uh, Stanley and Ellie went to visit Buckley's mom and dad, Billy Burke and Maroney Olson, as the Dunstans. Right. And their their place is even bigger than Stanley's. That's it's right. Like, yeah. Holy smokes! And they start out very prim and proper, ho ho, and then Stanley proceeds to have a little too much to drink. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> and falls but, asleep. But spends the entire time talking about Kay and doesn't give uh, yes. the Dunstans any chance to talk about their son. And then falls and asleep they, as they're going to start talking about their son. It was, oh, God, it was so, I felt so embarrassed for Ellie. A wonderful way to begin the uh, the relationship with the Dunstans. Gee whiz. I wondered what they did for a living for that house that they had. Well, they were the definitely well off. I mean, the whole, everybody in the movie was well off. I thought it was, there was just some things about the movie that struck me as odd watching it now. I'm sure at the time it was probably not that way but like the fact that they had a housekeeper that was a, a black housekeeper yes that was know. in a lot of movies in the 30s and 40s what was her was it delilah was that her name marietta canty as delilah yeah delilah and she played that role in other movies the same kind of thing well and then and then the fact that they were living in such a uh well-to-do sort of upper crust lifestyle and, and that was say the same with the later father of the bride movie it was sort of very idealized kind of a of a life they didn't really have any hardships or worries you know they were definitely above the middle class yeah and then i thought it was it was really weird to watch the movie now understanding that spencer tracy was an alcoholic and and how much drinking there was in the movie yes Boy, that uh, reception, can you believe it? When he says, never, when Stanley says, never have I seen people so dedicated to their job as the servers of the champagne. <laughs> yeah. They were going around like, like robots. And then he, he's, and then, and then Ellie's worried about if they're going to have enough champagne. So she sends Stanley over to check on that. And he says, well, how's the champagne holding out? And the guy's like, you're going to get your champagne. Don't worry. And he's like, but I'm just wondering if we have enough. <laughs> Poor Stanley, I tell you. He was good in the role, though. He was. He's he a good could, actor. Oh, he could play almost any part. Comedy, drama. He was even in some westerns. Well, I'd like to watch Bad Day at Black Rock. That's I was going to say Bad Day at Black Rock, where he's the 
the veteran that comes back to that little community. That's a great movie. Yeah, I love that movie. I'd love to watch that one and review it. I think that was John Sturgis that directed that. And the music in that one was terrific. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a western, but also it's got a lot of like Japanese samurai influence yes. to it cuz I think he's he's he kind of comes in as like a, a samurai to me, like a I think it must be based on a Japanese and movie. And he deals with Ernest Borgnine in the restaurant there with no yeah. trouble. Yeah, so we should watch that one. That's a good one. We'll add that. We well we've we'll, we've only done 70 now so we've got a long way to go right right especially you said we we're gonna hit a thousand so we've we've only just started <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just as long as we don't keep redoing the same ones right we'll be all right, <laughs> right. so i uh, i give this movie a nine on our one to ten rating scale uh and i just i love it i'd recommend it to anyone who has not seen it I, i'd give it an eight I liked it, but I guess because I, I, I've seen the later version, I like the later version more, so I'd probably knock it down one notch. Because I found myself a little bit, like, not bored, but kind of like wanting it to just progress a little bit faster, and, and it felt like it was kind of uh, a long movie to me. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, it's it's an hour and a half long, but there were two or three times in, during the movie you could say, come on, let's move it on a little more. And yeah. that was more of a style from that era, I think, as well. Yeah, I think a lot it's, of dialogue. It, yeah, I think it's more of a style thing. Uh, I I don't know where they would cut out anything, uh, but yeah, I just found myself sort of like wanting it to go a little bit quicker. Well, we're eight and nine. That's not bad. That's yeah. certainly above some of the other ratings we've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we enter the new year, and a, and a whole new variety of movies awaiting us yeah we need to figure out what we're going to do for january i know i have given that very little thought because of the remodeling here and whatnot maybe we should do some westerns yeah i think we should or john wayne something like that he only made about a hundred movies yeah there's a john wayne movie that also has that guy that was in um that movie about pearl harbor that we watched um gosh darn it oh 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 montgomery cliff montgomery cliff yeah red river red river i'd like to watch that one we could do red river uh we could he, he made so many westerns i'm losing track well and then we could do, we could do that one where he goes to ireland um oh the quiet man the quiet man we didn't we, maybe we could just do so, like four john wayne movies yeah why don't we do that because He's, he was such a, a big star at, at many year in many years he was like the number one box office in and, like the 50s and our very first our very first episode was a John Wayne movie and we could start the new year off with some John Wayne with movies. something why don't we start with uh, Red River okay all right uh, I, I actually I, I uh, believe I have that oh are you really <laughs> okay good I think I do in fact I, I remember uh, watching it enough that Nancy was saying, how many times have you watched that movie? And I said, oh, 10, 15, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I well, really I like guess <laughs> uh, you'll be able to talk about it then. Yes, I can. And it's such, it's interesting to, to have John Wayne and Montgomery Clift in the same movie together. Right. They that were such a... different people. Oh, totally. Like in real life too, I think. Like very yes, different. right. Very different. So that will be interesting to talk about. And I've really wanted to watch some more Montgomery Cliff movies. So 
And then, you know what? I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I've never watched a James Dean movie. Oh, we could do James Dean in February. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I feel like I, my movie education is, is uh, got a big hole in it right there. So that'd be good. East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, and Giant. Yeah. Those are his biggies. Boy, he would have been a star, wouldn't he, if he hadn't killed himself in that car accident. Yeah. Just think how big he would have been, because he was coming along at about the same time as, say, a Clint Eastwood, maybe a little ahead of Clint Eastwood, but not by much. All righty. Well, this has been fun. I did enjoy this movie. Uh, it was it was uh, kind of a, a mixed bag a little bit for me on the pacing, but uh, I'm glad we watched it. I am, too. So thanks for listening, everybody. Until next year, Happy New Year's. And uh, this is Matt Johnson coming to you from Seattle. And Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles wishing you great movie watching.